Jesus, you are our living hope. You are alive and well. (laughs) And there is peace and there is victory in your name. And so, Jesus, we need you in this place this morning. God, we need you (laughs) in our hearts, in our minds, even in our bodies. I would just pray that, Lord, you would fill this place. More of you, I would even say less of me. And Jesus, just give us the peace that only you can give us. Um, We love you. Thank you for the hope that we have in your name. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Edinburgh, love you. Uh, It's good to be here with you this morning. Uh, If you are a guest with us, I especially just want to give you a warm welcome. Hey, we're glad you're here. And uh, if you're watching online, we're glad you're tuned in. Part of what God's doing in this place. Uh, as Pastor Joshua said, Easter is quickly approaching, so I do encourage you, grab those invite cards. But, but more than that, start praying for five people that you could make that invitation to. Maybe not all five will say yes, but maybe one of them does, and maybe they come here and they hear the good news of this Jesus and the eternal hope they have in his name, and maybe their life and their family and future generations are forever changed. And so I just want to encourage you, this is a big deal. We're going to be making sure it's a great service for whoever you invite. Start praying for those people. I also just want to say thank you, Edinburgh, for helping us to hit that goal with your commitments. Super excited um, for how God is working through, through this church. Thanks for your generosity. This morning, we're, we're wrapping up our series, uh, What in the Word?, because there are just, there's things in the Bible we've been talking about over the last five weeks that cause us to scratch our heads in, in the Bible, God's Word. Um, things that raise more questions than sometimes answers. And uh, this morning, <laughs> I think, is one of those topics. Knowing God's will for your life. Knowing God's will for your life. Now, I, I know when that question arises, how do I know God's will for my life? Right, the church answer, of course, is the Bible. You know, and that's very true. The, the Bible teaches us what to believe. The Bible teaches us what our values should be. And the Bible teaches us how we should behave, how we should act. But oftentimes when I get that question, you know, what is God's will for my life? They're asking a question that the Bible can't specifically answer. Most people are usually asking me something along the lines of a career change or or whether I should go to this school or not or whether I should start a business or whether I should sell a business. These are often the questions that come and, and usually what they're asking and their options don't fall outside of what God's word would teach. It's just God's word doesn't specifically give us direction for those kinds of answers. And so we're stuck with this question, what is God's will in this situation? What is his will and purpose for my life? Um, Sometimes God will give us specific answers, and he will answer prayers that we pray, God, I I need a sign. Many of you have heard me tell this story uh, over the years, but there was a time where God specifically gave me a sign and made it very clear to me what to do, which is why I would always encourage us to start with prayer when we're asking and seeking God's will on something. Um, but many years ago, Danielle and I were, were pregnant with our twins, Logan and Michaela. It was mostly Danielle who was pregnant, okay? She was, 
She was very pregnant. Um, Michaela, I was just thinking about it. Our, our kids just turned 10 yesterday. Michaela <laughs> was almost 8 pounds. Logan was almost 7 pounds. That's a lot of baby. <laughs> All right? And so Danielle was very pregnant. Um, and we were struggling with what to name our son. We had Michaela's name picked out. We knew we were going to name her Michaela. Uh, but our son, we were struggling. We had some options and some names we were floating, like Logan. Uh, but we couldn't agree on a name. And we didn't have peace. And we were just having visions. If we give him the wrong name, his life's going to spiral out of control, right? I mean, we just these visions. And so we were really struggling. And Danielle's due date had come and actually gone. She was beyond her due date. When I remember we were sitting at this Jimmy John's we had never been to before. And we were like, we just, we have to figure this out. We, we've got to figure out what we're going to name our boy. And so I remember we grabbed hands across this Jimmy John's table. And we prayed, Lord... Just, just tell us what we should name our, our son. Give, give us a sign. We prayed for that. We prayed, God, give us a sign. And then we got into our car and we started driving. And again, we had never been at that Jimmy John's. We had really never been to this part of town. And so we, we were like, we are not coming home until, Lord, you make it clear to us what we're to name our boy. So we're driving through these neighborhoods we've never been in before. When we drive by a street called Brent Street, and that caught our, our attention, that caught our eye, because that's my name. It's not a very common name. And so we just, it, we took note of that. Oh, Brent Street. The very next road was Logan Road. And that was one of the names we were floating. And it might not sound that obvious to you, but if you had been in that car, we didn't have to say anything. We knew God was making it clear to us what we were to name our boy. It hit us like a ton of bricks. God literally gave us a sign. <laughs> and we had peace. And we knew God will sometimes do that in our lives. And you have a question, you can pray. He will sometimes make it crystal clear to you what he wants you to do. But I've also learned that that's often the exception and it's not the norm. Oftentimes, we're just left wondering and praying and seeking help for what's the right thing to do, what's the right decision to make. You know, some of us this morning, you might be in a position where you're needing a little help with a decision, or maybe it's something more broad than a specific decision. You're just, what should I do with my life, and where is my life going? Sometimes we just need a little help. This past uh, Christmas, we bought our kids a hoverboard. I don't know if you've ever seen a hoverboard, but they're pretty neat. Um, you, you stand on top of them, and it has like this self-balancing technology in it. And you stand on them, and, and then if you lean, you go, right? You can also go backwards. It's pretty incredible how you can turn. But, but it takes some getting used to. It's not really easy to, to learn at first. Uh, and so we bought them these, you know, these hoverboards for Christmas, and they opened them up. And they were all excited, but... The first people to use them was mom and dad. Like, Danielle and I went downstairs. We were like, we got we to gotta test these, make sure they're safe and that they're working. And so we get them downstairs in the basement, and we have an unfinished basement, so you can really use them down there. And um, Danielle gets on it, but she was kind of struggling because, again, if you lean, the thing moves. And it, it's a lot easier, actually, to get on than it is off. Because if you lean when you're trying to get on or off, the thing can just, I mean, it'll zip out from underneath you. And so she was having to figure out how to get her balance on this thing. And she finally stood up on it, but she started leaning. 
And when you lean into these things, they go. And so she starts zipping across the basement floor. But she's also scared to step off because the thing will zip out from underneath you and you'll, you'll end up on your back. And so as she's going by, I hear her saying, I, I, I needed some help here, a, a little help, just a little help. And she's zipping by and there's this pile of boxes at the other end. I mean, she's headed right towards him and she's like, help, she's picking up speed now, help, I could use a little help. Now, some of you are deep down hoping she went into the boxes, okay? It tells me a little something about you. Um, she didn't go into the boxes. She actually was able to bail and jump off before she did. The hoverboard ended up going into the boxes. But life is often like that, isn't it? It's moving forward. Life is moving forward, and, and, and we need a little help. Anybody feel that way this morning? <laughs> I, I could use a little help. Just a little help, God. Yeah. One of my favorite scriptures uh, in all of the Bible, it's one I've clung to and hung on to um, since I first gave my life to Christ, has been Jeremiah 29, 11. I love this passage, and I, and I want to encourage you to hold on to what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. God says this. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster. They are plans to give you a future and a hope. Future and a hope. Now, many of us know this passage. We've heard it before. And we tend to focus on the fact that God says he has a good plan for our life. And it is. It's a good, good plan. And again, I encourage you to cling to this promise of God. But we often skip over the first part. God says, for I know the plans I have for you. For I know the plans for you. He didn't say, you know the plans I have for you. He, he didn't say, I'm going to tell you the plans I have for you. God just says, I know the plans I have for you, and they are good, good plans. If you have your hand out, I, I put this statement in there, and I'd encourage you to fill it out. When you don't know where you're headed... Remember, God knows where he's taking you. And I want you to remember this. When you don't know where you're headed, remember, God knows where he's taking you. You, you might not know uh, where you're headed, but God does. And, and he knows where your life is headed. I, I just got an email from a, a young person uh, last week asking me about whether they should go to a certain school or not, or they should just not go to school at all. And they were in this classic fork in the road moment, right? We all have those moments, the classic fork in the road moment. Do I go down this path or do I go down this path? And this person was really struggling uh, to know what they should do. Um, a little while ago, uh, a businessman reached out to me. And this is a guy who has had a very successful business. He started this business. He's doing very, very well for himself. But at the church he's a part of, he started serving as a small group leader, what we call community groups. And he started leading this group, and he just fell in love with it. And people started recognizing, like, he has a strong uh, leadership skill set. And, and, and now he's wondering, should I, can I, should I consider going into ministry and maybe selling my business or, or doing something else. Regardless, he knows he'd be taking a pr pretty significant pay cut. 
And he's wondering, he's at that fork in the road, what do I do? Because I actually do love this. And he has a passion for, for leading people into a relationship with Jesus. And he's wanting to know what to do. And I have to tell him, I don't have a crystal ball. I, I, I can't tell you what the right answer for your life is. And the Bible doesn't give a specific answer for your life. But what I can tell you is if, even when you don't know where you're headed, I want you to remember God knows where he's taking you. Even when you don't know, God knows where he's taking you. If you're a teenager or a 20-something in here this morning, I, I want to say to you, it's okay not to know where you're going because God knows where he's taking you. If you're a 30-something, a 40-something, a 50-something, I want to say to you this morning, it's okay if you don't know where you're going because God knows where he's taking you. If you're 60, 70, 80, 90, it's okay if you don't know where God's taking you or where you're headed because God knows where he's taking you. If you're over 100, it's okay if you don't know where you're headed. You probably don't care anymore, okay? I don't know. That's, but even to you, I would say you don't need to worry. God knows where he's taking you. And this morning, that's what I want to talk about. I just want to talk about what do we do when we don't know what to do? Because we all find ourselves in that place eventually. What do you do when you don't know what to do? And this morning, I'm just going to give us three suggestions that really have to do with the attitude of our heart that can help us have peace when we don't know what to do. Okay, and so here's the first thing I would suggest to us. The first thing is we need to learn to be okay with ambiguity. You've got to learn to be okay when you don't know what to do. Uh, I was thinking about it this last week. If there were any people who didn't always know where they were headed, it was the original 12 disciples. The 12 disciples didn't always know where they were going. Jesus didn't always tell them and make that crystal clear. In fact, some of them thought Jesus was going to be an earthly king. Uh, others of them thought he was going to be this war general who was going to like defeat the unbelievers and the Gentiles, completely missing the heart of, of God and of Jesus. They didn't often know where they were headed, and there's a specific story even where Jesus is going to lead them onto this boat, and they don't exactly know where they're headed. In fact, we read this in Luke 8, that one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat, and they started out. And this was often disciples. They were just following Jesus moment by moment, one day at a time. But did you notice that he just says, let's cross to the other side. In fact, this story that we're going to look at this morning, it's, it's in three of the gospel accounts. And, and never does Jesus just give a specific city or region where they're headed. He's just like, hey, let's get in the boat, and, and let's just go. He doesn't say, I mean, he could have said, let's head to Bethsaida, or let's head to Gergesa. I mean, he could have mentioned cities or regions. He's like, let's just get in the boat, and let's go. Life is often like that with Jesus. Like, you give your life to Christ, and you sense you're going somewhere, you sense like this is headed and leading to something, but you don't exactly know what. And you don't exactly know where. I was thinking this last week also about some Old Testament characters, uh, and Esther came to mind. If you remember the story of Esther, she's married to the Persian king, and she has the king's ear. 
because he's taken to this Esther. Uh, but she catches wind that the king's advisor is advising the king to kill all the Jews. Esther is Jewish, and her family is Jewish. And so she reaches out to her uncle, what, what should I do? And her uncle says this to her, he says, who knows, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Now, I want you to just hear the ambiguity in that. Perhaps you've come into this position for such a time as this. The flip side of it is, if she just goes and, and, and barges into the, the throne room of the king without being summoned, that warranted the death penalty. And so she could be put to death. Never in that story does God tell her what to do. We don't read at any point in that story where God says, Esther, here's exactly what I want you to do. She doesn't go, she goes and stands before the king and ends up saving the Jewish people. But never in that story are we told she receives this crystal clear answer. This is often how God works in our lives. We have to learn to be okay, not always knowing. I was thinking about King David. King David, uh, you know, he's... He's told as a young man he's going to be the king. Um, so he knows he's headed somewhere, but the existing king at the time, King Saul, wants to end his life and put him to death. So can you imagine this young man? He's like, okay, God's told me I'm going to be king, but I'm, I'm surviving by the skin of my teeth right now. You think there was a little uncertainty in all of that? I, I'm sure there was. It seems like this is God's sweet spot with us. Like God is very okay leaving us in this place where we don't exactly know what to do. In fact, I would encourage you this week to open up your Bibles, find a character in the Bible, and just read their story, and write down all the times they would have dealt with uncertainty, where there wasn't necessarily a clear answer for what they were supposed to do. I think you'll be surprised how many times that happens in the Bible. And why this is important for us is because sometimes I talk to believers who feel like I'm doing something wrong. Or, or does God really care about me? Or does God really love me? Because if he did, he'd give me the answer. He seems to be perfectly fine leaving us in this place of uncertainty where, where things are ambiguous. However, there is a promise that we can stand on when we don't know what to do. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says this, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These are the questions we have. We want certainty even on these basic things, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, how we're going to provide for ourselves. We want answers. Jesus says don't worry about these things. He says these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Friends, this is the promise we can stand on. You know, when we don't know what to do, we're told, okay, God, if we put your kingdom first, if I put making you first in my life, I can know you're going to take care of me in the process. I, I might not know where I'm going, but the promise I have is that you're going to take care of me while you're leading me to where you know I'm you're taking me. So that'd be my first suggestion to us, be okay with the ambiguity. The second suggestion would be persevere through adversity. 
You're going to have to persevere through the adversity. We, we read on as the disciples are in the boat with Jesus. We read, as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. So the disciples, they're out on the Sea of Galilee when this storm comes up and now it's, it's, they're in trouble. I often get the question from people, if, if, if God loves me, why am I experiencing this problem in my life? Why, why am I having to go through this? Did, did I make a wrong choice? Am I outside of God's will because I'm experiencing this problem in my life? Right? It's the classic um, question of why does good things happen or why do bad things happen to good people? And Jesus is very clear with us, though. He gives us the answer for that. He says, in this world, you will have troubles. In this world, you will have troubles. I mean, it's a promise that Jesus also makes to us. It doesn't mean you're outside of his will. It doesn't mean you've done something wrong. It's just, in this world, you will have troubles. But he also says, I've overcome the world. And, and, and you can find inner strength to persevere and to endure through me. I will give you the strength. I will give you what you need to persevere through this storm, this challenge, this problem in your life. You know, growing up, I played sports, and every coach I ever played for, they must have like some kind of coach's manual or handbook on this. Every coach would always say this, winners never quit, quitters never win. You ever heard that? Winners never quit, quitters never win. My, my football coach. You know, winners never quit, quitters never win. My basketball coach. Winners never quit, quitters never win. My foosball coach, right? He was like, yeah, that's about what I play these days. Winners never quit, quitters never win. What is that teaching us? It's telling us you can't win if you quit. It's a simple principle. You can't be victorious if you give up. And if there's something the Bible teaches us, it teaches us that in order to get into the promised land, you have to first go through the wilderness. And if you quit, you'll never make it in to the promised land. I go to the dentist about once every three years. Anybody else? Okay, that's because I am not a big fan of the dentist. <laughs> um, we know a very godly dentist. He claims to be a Christian. You know, he works in a torture chamber, so I don't, I just, will take his word for it. Okay, godly man. But I don't like going to the dentist. But, so why do I do it? Why do I go and I sit in that chair? Because I want what's on the other side. I, I sit in the chair because I want what's on the other side. Sometimes in life, you just have to sit in the chair. Sometimes in life, you just have to hang in there. If you've ever seen a marriage, right, that has lasted 50, 60 years, and you wonder, how, how have you done that? You, you know, there's a lot to it, but you could kind of boil it down to, well, we just hung in there. Uh, you know, I talk to parents with teenagers or older kids who have had to go through some stuff with their kids. And I'm like, how did you survive that? And, and there's a lot to it, but you could kind of boil it down. We just kind of had to hang in there. <laughs> we just kind of had to not give up. Living out your faith in the workplace or at school, it's becoming harder and harder to do these days. How do you do it and stay effective? It really comes down to 
you just have to hang in there and, and keep at it. I mean, because winners never quit and, and quitters never win. But that doesn't mean you're not going to at times feel weak and defeated. What do you do when you feel like, I've been asking God for strength, but man, my energy levels are, are, are depleted, and, and I don't know if I can go on much longer. Well, that brings us to the third suggestion. You've got to rest in God's authority. You've got to rest in God's authority. I love this. As, so the disciples, they're in the middle of this storm, out in the middle of the lake, and we read, the disciples went and they woke Jesus up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified, but they were also amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. It's a great question. Who is this man? Who is this, this Jesus? I want to remind us this morning who this Jesus is. This Jesus, he is the all-knowing one. You realize this about Jesus? He knows all things. He knows you better than you know yourself. And by the way, he loves you, even though he knows you better than yourself. He loves you. This Jesus, he's all-knowing. This Jesus, he's also, he's all-present. I mean, he's able to be in all places at all times, which is why we're able to have this personal relationship with him, all of us. He's all-present. And this Jesus, he's also all-powerful. You realize there's nothing this Jesus can't do in your life. I mean, this is the creator of the universe and sometimes we treat that like a light statement, but I want you to think about that for a second. The universe, he created it all, we're told. You can fit a million earths inside of the sun. And there are stars in our universe you can fit millions of our sun into. I mean, this is an amazing, an amazing person, this Jesus. Who is this Jesus? This Jesus is God. And he can speak and he can calm any storm in your life. I want you to hear that this morning. Whatever that storm is in your life, he can simply speak and he can calm it. So friends, don't forget who's in your boat. This Jesus is in your boat. Don't forget who's in your boat. He can calm any storm in our lives. And I love this from Job. Job was a man who had it all, but he lost it all. And even as he was suffering, he finally found some peace. And he said, makes this statement in Job 42, he says, I know that you can do all things, talking to God, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Friends, I want you to hear that this morning. There's no purpose there's no plan that God has for your life that can be thwarted. There's nothing this God can't do in your life. And if this God has given you a promise that he has a good plan for your life, you can rest this morning. That's what some of us need to do. Some of us just need to rest. 
Some of us have been worrying so much about our future, and we've been worrying so much about, am I living it right, and am I going to end up where I'm supposed to be? And this morning, I just want to challenge you to rest in the authority of this God. Maybe some of you, you've got to make a big decision, and you've been struggling with what decision are we going to make, because it could change the outcome of our life. And I want to remind you this morning to rest, because of the one who's in your boat. Maybe some of you, even this morning, you are struggling with, am I good enough for this God? Am I good enough for where God ultimately wants to lead me, which is to this place called heaven and eternity with him? And I want to encourage you this morning that even in that, friends, you can rest. Because it's not based on your works. It's not based on how good you are. It's based on how good he is. And this Jesus came and he lived the perfect life. The God who is all seeing, the God who is all knowing, the God who is all powerful. He came to earth and he died on a cross for you. What do you do with that? You receive it and then you rest. Knowing that Jesus is the one who's done it all. And when you do that, you elevate him. Because what you're saying in that moment, you're saying, Jesus, you are good enough. You are sufficient to save someone like me. My challenge to us this morning, friends, is to rest in the authority of this God. Rest in the one who's in your boat. And we're going to get to kind of celebrate that this morning because we're going to take communion together. We're going to end this service and we're going to take communion. And as we do that, I, I, I want you to first give thanks that this God who has the authority to calm any storm wants a relationship with you and did everything necessary so that you can be in a relationship with him. Give him thanks for that this morning. And then if you need inner strength, this is a great time for you to say, Jesus, give me the strength I need this morning so that I can face the storm I'm dealing with right now in life. And then I want to also challenge us just to rest rest knowing that this God loves you and he's done everything necessary for you to spend eternity with him. So I'm going to ask our service to get ready. Just so you know, we are taking communion a little differently. Uh, it's going to, the, the bread is also with the cup now. So when it goes by, you need to, you need to grab the, the cup and the bread. I'm not going to get back up here. Um, you can eat, you can drink whenever you're ready. Oh, friends, let me um, pray for us so we can celebrate this Christ together. Lord, I know some of us here this morning, it's hard for us to be okay when we don't know exactly what to do, but I'm just praying and asking that you'd help us to be okay with that. That we would see we're not doing something wrong. It doesn't mean you don't love us. That this is pretty common when we look at the characters of the Bible. And I just pray that in that we would have peace. And that we would put your kingdom first in our lives, trusting and standing on the promise that you will take care of us in the process of this thing we call life. And then, Lord, I also want to pray that for some of us, you just give us the inner strength we need for whatever that challenge or that battle is we're facing. Give us the strength we require. And last, God, just give us all peace. So many of us in this this place this morning, we just need the rest in your love and the rest in who you are. I just want to pray that you make yourself manifest this morning. 
you'd speak to our heart and you remind us that you are in our boat and that you love us, that you have a plan and that even if we don't know where we're headed, you know where you're taking us. Comfort us with that truth this morning, we ask. In your name.